every day. Every day. Every day. I will spend time with God. I will pray. I will pray. 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 I will pray. I will be holy. I will be holy. 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 I will be holy. I will be holy. I will fulfill God's purpose for me and my generation. My generation. My generation. I will fulfill God's purpose. God's purpose for my generation. For me and my generation. My generation. I will live the vow. Turn with me, please, in your Bible to Luke chapter 18. How many of you guys like the Bible? That's good, almost all of you. And um, how many of you guys like the stuff that Jesus said? And so turn with me then to Luke chapter 18. And um, starting, uh, we're going to read, uh, starting with verse 18 in just a moment here. If you've got your, um, if you've got a turn there. And uh, I need a little help here tonight. Can anybody, uh, anybody want to help me out here? I need a little help. Good. Don't be shy now because I might, I like to call on people that look like they're shy. And um, so uh, I need somebody that knows how to read though. Some... Don't be lifting your hand if you don't know how to read. Oh, oh, and then I call on you and you can't read. Okay. You don't want to be, can, anybody can, re- can you read? Okay. Come here. Bring your Bible. Bring your Bible with you. Do you have your, oh, <laughs> Right there. And what's your name? Lish. Hey, Lish. Nice to meet you. I'm Ron. Okay, where are you from, Lish? Uh, St. Joe, Michigan. St. Joe, Michigan. Okay. Everybody say hi, Lish. And, um, okay, verse 18, we want you to uh, read for us, okay? Can you do this? Hold on. He's not even at this spot. Luke 18. Okay, Luke 18. We're going to hear what you're thinking while you're turning. I'm thinking Luke 18. Luke 18. You got four different versions there going on. Can you see what's going on there? You got this one, you got this one. Which one do you want? Oh, which one do I want? um, Let's see. How about, uh, oh no, you got two. How about, um, you got today's New International? You got two versions here. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Verse 18. Keep going. Um, Was no one found to return and give praise to God except. No, the wrong one. That's it. That's 17. (laughs) 18, you got to go to the next page. Sorry. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these things I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Who then could be saved? Jesus replied, What is impossible with human beings is possible with God. Give her a big hand clap. Thank you, Lish. How many of you guys have heard this story before? Okay, good. Well, you guys are, uh, you're robust. So we're, we're going we're gonna, to uh, go, go back to this story in, in just a second and, and, and think about it for a few minutes. But um, I want you to think for a second about the difference between things that you want and things that you need. Things, the difference between things you want and things you need. So we're going to do a little, little experiment here, right here live in front of everybody. You guys over here, I want you to be the people um, that, uh, in, in just a moment, don't put anything up on the screen yet, guys, until I tell you, okay? Um, in just a moment, we're going to put some pictures of stuff on the screen. And if it's something that is a want, then I want you to, I want you to say want. But I want you to say it, because things you want, like things that like you want your mom and dad to give you or whatever... You usually whine for, right? Come on, can I have that? Give me in with that. We've been doing it our whole lives, right? So when, when, if you see something that's a want, it's not a need, it's a want, I want you to whine the word want. Okay, so we can, let's practice. Ready? One, two, three. Want. No, say it like you're really whining. You've practiced, you've done this before. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, now you guys over here. If you see a picture of something up there that you know is a need, it's imperative. You've got to have it. Things that you need, like you have to have, like you just gotta have, you just know you have to have this. Then I want you to scream out the word 
Need. Ready? One, two, three. Practice. Need. Okay. So you guys over here. Turn up the wine meter Okay, ready? One, two, three. There you go. You girls have practiced a lot, I can tell. Guys over here. Okay, now, put the first proto, put a picture up there. Tell me if this is a want or a need. It's air, okay? <laughs> want or need? Say it like you really need it. Okay, what's the next picture? Sounds like some of you had experience for that one, okay? Okay, next picture. Uh-oh, sounds like we have a little confusion here. Want or need? <laughs> Every 14-year-old's going, need! Okay. Now, do you actually, do, you, do, you, do, you, do we need this to survive? Okay, next picture. Next picture. Want or a need? <laughs> There's a little bit of both in there, isn't there? Okay, next one. Let's see who's ladder. Is it a need? Is it a want? Okay, I guess it's a need. Okay, it's food. We have to have food survival, right? Next one. Okay, next picture. Gotta have a place to live, right? Need. Next one. Now, please, please be sure as we're going through this, sound off, represent your area well, okay? If you're going to whine, really whine. If you really need it, then sound off. Is it, is it a need or a want? Need. Obviously. Next one. Uh-oh. <laughs> Go to the next one. <laughs> Some of you aren't sure what to do with that one. Does she need that stuff, you think? Okay, next one. <laughs> Definitely. Depends on the type of day, time of day you're talking about. But, um, so needs versus wants. I want us to think about this for a second. Think about um, the things that we need versus the things that we want. You know, um, we have a little bit of confusion going on here on some of these things. Do we need these things? Do we want these things? You know, the fact is, there are a lot of things we want, very few things we actually need to live, right? We need breath, we need water, we need food. We we actually really, really need very few things. Some of the things we need are very obvious, like the things I just mentioned. Other things we need are more subtle, like we need love, we need relationships, we need friends. Some things are less obvious. And um, things we want are things that um, we prefer. Things we want are things that we desire. We add them to our life. We don't have to have them. We just like to have them added to our life. They're um, life enhancement kinds of things. They make our life a little bit better. feels good to have them. It's fun to have them. You don't need these things for survival. You just want them. Um, and so, these are the things that we, we get when we've got everything that we really need for survival. We make a list of things sort of in our mind, or maybe we write them down, I don't know. Things that we just would like to have. Things that we want. Things that we hope to get one day. Things that would be nice to have. That's so what you get when all your needs are already done. We think things that we want, they help us avoid discomfort, uh, help us avoid pain, 
makes our life a little bit better, a little bit more comfortable, gain pleasure. Think, we wish for these things. We're inclined towards wanting them. Now, I want to distinguish here with things we want. There's two different kinds, I think. There's the casual want, things you sort of want, and things you really want. Like, for example, casual want might be like gum. Ah, some gum. Ah, can I have some gum? Ah, can I have a Coke? You know, can I have a drink? You know, it's like a casual want. But then there's things you really want. Um, like an iPod, maybe, you know. And, and so, things you casually want, you whine for a little bit. But things that you really want, you whine for a lot. Anybody, do we have any experienced whiners in this place? You've whined for something. And, um, but things that you really, really want, you'll do just about anything. How many of you ever have wanted something really bad for a long time? You kept talking to your parents and talking, 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 talking. And, and finally, um, you did whatever you had to do to get that thing that you wanted. You worked like crazy. You begged like crazy. You, you just jumped through all kinds of hoops. And you finally got that thing you want. Lift up your hand if you have something like that that you're thinking of. Okay, I want to hear a story or two, okay? Something that you really worked hard for, you wanted for a long time, and you got. Anybody? Okay, come on over here. Yeah. What's your name? Matt Jones. Come here, Matt. Come on up here. So, uh, Matt, what was this thing that you really wanted? Uh, iPod. Yeah. An iPod, okay. So, what did you have to do for your iPod? Uh, I had to work like four weeks. Four whole weeks? Four weeks. Dude, you really put out the work, didn't you? And so, how, how, what kind of work did you do? Uh, I made subs at Quiznos. Made subs. Good. And um, you earned all your money? Pretty much. How, how long did you have to um, ask your parents before they would let you have it? Did they say yes the first time? Well, I, 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 I told them I paid for it, so... So they, as long as you paid for it, they let you do it? Get it? Yeah. Right, okay. So four whole weeks, how did it feel when you finally got it? It was pretty sweet. Were you totally fulfilled? Did it make your life totally great? Yeah. You've never been the same? Oh. Really? I got it last week. Got it last week? So you're still high from this thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Come on, don't take it. Just smile real good. Mm, doesn't it feel good? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good. Okay, give my hand. Okay. Anybody else? Something you really, really wanted and you worked like crazy, whatever. Okay, stand up. And what is your name? My name is Anna. So Anna, what, what was it? What did you really want? Actually, I really wanted to go to Element. <laughs> it, okay. To go to and, Element, which is... <laughs> It's our youth ministry in Warren. Um, so how, how did you, what, what did you have to do to, to make that happen? Well, actually, my parents are divorced, so I had to get them to switch weekends, and I had to beg really, really hard. But they let me, and I was really happy. <laughs> so that's really something when you can get your parents to change all their plans. How many have ever done that before? Now you're talking a high level of want there, okay, to get your parents. Thank you, Anna. God bless you, sweetie. Now, um... So, you've got casual wants, things that you would sort of prefer, and you've got things that you really want for, that you really, that you really have to, come on, turn it on, you guys really have to, to get. If you're going to get it, you're going to have to really whine or work or something. And so, um, you know, things that we really, really want, that urgent, urgently have to have, it might be you know, those pants. It might be you know, like an iPod, or it might be a car, or it might be whatever that we really, really want. And so you decide you're going to work hard for it, or you're going to set time aside. And, you know, when, um, when, when my girls wanted an iPod, when they got to be 16, and, and we thought, you know, okay, you're, you're ready for an iPod. You can handle the responsibility. You were not going to become a mediavore or a music of war where that's all you do is listen um you have to earn it but listen what we said to them that the money that you earn you can only use half of it for your ipod the other half you have to put into savings but what why do we have to do that's the deal and so they had to work twice as much to get the money so they could spend half of it and save the rest for college and stuff like that so but they really, really wanted it, and so they really turned it on, and they worked really hard. Think about this. Things we need are different, though. These are what are required. we got to have this or we die. 
There are very few things that end up in this category. They're necessary. There's a sense of urgency. There's a sense of uh, it's imperative. If I don't, something really bad. There's a sense of demand. Things that you have to have like air. How many of you ever felt like maybe you were in water or something? You ever felt like you might, you might drown or something? You like really needed air. And you know what happens when... How many of you like felt like that, the panic like, and like, like this because you've got to get up above the water? How many of you ever felt that before, you know? And like when you get to that moment, this is not like, I, I sort of would like a breath. It's like, I got to have the... Get out of my way. You don't care if you hurt people. You don't care if you're mean to them. You don't care. You know, um, Cameron was out fishing. We lived by a little lake. He was fishing um, not long ago. And he put this um, fish that he caught in this bucket. The bucket was about this high. And he filled it about this high with water and put this fish in there. And we're like, and he went out to get more fish. And this fish, is, you know, you, you could hear him like splash a little bit, splash a little bit, splash a little bit. I'm like, wow, this fish is, you know, serious. He wants to, he doesn't like being, there was water in the bucket, you know, but he like, felt constrained for some reason and, and um, didn't like it in there. And when Cameron came back with another fish, that fish was gone. This thing had jumped out of that bucket and back into the lake. Now, this is a desperate fish. He knew he needed more space. He needed to be in the lake. He needed, and when you need something, your attitude, your activity, your behavior, everything changes to a whole different level. It's way more intense than even a serious want or an urgent want. Things that we need. Food, air, water. As I said, some are obvious. Some are a little bit more subtle. You know, a man... I read about a man who uh, was caught stealing food from an orphanage. Who... This man lived in a country where there's mass famine. And his own children were starving to death, whining, crying. They couldn't go to sleep because they had hunger pains. And his wife, his pregnant wife, with hunger pains. And that man knows he needed, he needed to get food for his children, his wife. And this man, it drove him to do things that he would have never, ever done. Stealing food from an orphanage. How deplorable is that? Except if your need is so demanding and screaming in your face, you do things you've never thought you would do before. It creates, when you have a need like that, that's screaming at you, it creates, for lack of a better word, a sense of desperation inside you. You will do whatever you have to do to get that food. Some needs are more subtle. Some needs are screaming at you. So the question is, deciding between wants and needs. There's kind of a battle. How do you decide what's really a want and what's really a need? Because in life, like even as we were looking at these pictures a moment ago, some are going needs, wants. Some are very clear. Of course, we know water. Some we were kind of playing with, you know, the car, the boy. Uh, we have a special ministry time for you guys. And you ladies. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Have a little fun. Come on. But seriously. You know, um, how do you decide what's a need and what's a want? Think about some of the things that can happen if you're confused between what you really need versus what you really want. When you don't know what you really need, you want things that don't really help you. Let me say it again. When you don't know what you really need, besides the obvious needs, you want for things that don't really help you. For example, you might be going, you go, you're in the mall and you go, those pants, I gotta have those pants, those are awesome pants, those are great pants, and you're living in your own, you got your own apartment and everything, I gotta have those pants, you go and you buy the pants, you go home like this, I got my pants, these are great, and then you realize you have no money left in your bank account, and you have no food in your apartment. You got your pants though, but you're starving. You got your needs and your wants confused. 
You didn't prioritize them correctly. And now you're starving to death. When you want for things, especially a casual want, that you really need. Like, what if you were, like, really were suffocating under the water? And you go, oh, I'd sort of like to have some air right now. Like, I'd like to some gum. You really need it, but you're treating it like a casual want. You're confusing the want and the need. For example, what if you got a car? How many of you guys got a car? How many of you guys got a, a beat-up La Bamba car? That's what I had, you know. Um, and... Um, so, so you've got a car and it needs a paint job bad. I mean, it's, it's lowering the property values in your whole neighborhood, right? And uh, you saved up some money and you go, man, I'm going to get the paint job. Oh, by the way, it needs tires too. They're all bald. And you're so excited about this paint job and you know you need tires. But you're so excited about the paint job, but you know you need tires. And so you say, we're going to get the paint job and you drive it there. And um, you get this amazing paint job. It's awesome. You go to pick it up and you're driving it home and all four tires go flat. But it looks good on the outside. And then the engine blows up. You see, you've got your needs and your wants confused. But I needed the paint job. Did you really need the paint job? You see, too often we go for what we want rather than what we really need. Somehow it will take care of itself. Confused it. Really what you needed is an engine before you even needed the tires, before you needed the paint job. Another danger we have when we're thinking about our wants and needs is we get uh, in perilous problem in, in, uh, treating our wants like the things that we need. Like a really amazing car. Well, maybe you need some kind of transportation to get to work, but do you need really an amazing sports car or whatever. And we, we treat the things we want like they're real needs and we neglect the things that we really do need. Sometimes it's hard to tell between a need and a want in our wealthy culture. For example, you might tell your parents sometimes, I need to get on the internet. I need to check my MySpace. I need to. I have all these friends on there. I need to. I need to. They're counting on me to update it and to see what they're talking about and all that. And you really feel like it's a need. But really what you really need is a real friend that you can look at eye to eye, that'll pray with you, that'll listen to you, that'll walk you through hard times. That's what you really, really do need. Not a friend that you just block if you don't like them, you know. Is, is the internet really the need or is it the real friend? Is it, do we have them flip-flop? Do we have them out of order? You might be thinking, you're a young lady, you might be thinking, but I really need a boyfriend. I need a guy to love me. I need, is that what you really need, sweetheart? Or do you need proper male affection from your father or from a father figure that will treat you like a precious young woman so all of a sudden... You don't need to have the attention of a guy who's hitting on you. Especially if he's four years older than you. Is it really what you need as that boyfriend? Or is it, is it the proper affection from your father that, you know, you're just trying to get any affections better than no affection? You know, we, do you even know your real need? I think that's a problem. We walk around wanting all kinds of things and... Filling our life with things that we want and it masks the things that we really need It covers up things that our heart really desperately needs and we keep cramming our life with stuff that we want and so we don't really Discover the thing that we need We don't see what we really need In a culture where we're submerged. I mean think about it We have pretty much everything we want we know we have everything we need. I mean, we have breath, we have food, that kind of physical needs. And so our life is consumed with what's the next thing on my want list. All of advertisers, their whole job is to make you think you need something when you don't. That's their whole thing, constantly pitching you stuff. So all of our life is consumed with, I want this, I want this, and we reprioritize those all the time. My friends have that, this have that. How do I reprioritize the things that I want? And when in a culture that is so filled with stuff that we want... It clouds our ability to see what do we really need. And so, 
we act like everything's okay. Hey, I've got food. I've got a place to live. But what, are all the, what about the subtle needs that aren't so obvious? That our life starts going crazy for. We've got the painted car, but we have no tires. We have no wheels. We have no rims. We have no engine. We have no interior. We have nothing, but we've got a painted car. We've got the great clothes. We've got the great, you know, we're on the ball team. People that were popular. We're doing this. I'm going to get the great youth group. And all the stuff on the outside is looking great. And we just keep adding more stuff to the more chrome and more stuff on the outside. But the things on the inside, we, 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 we're preoccupied with the things that we want on the outside and acting like the things on the inside aren't even there. So... Think deeply about this. Let's go back to the story. So we got this guy who comes to Jesus. And he says, hey, well, what, 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 what a good thing am I supposed to do to go to heaven and eternal life and all that? And Jesus says, okay, um, commandments. Keep the commandments. How are those working for you? Oh, yeah, I've done since I was a kid. Which commandments are you talking about anyways? And he rattles them off. This one and this one and this one. I've been doing all those since I was a boy. I've been in Sunday school and children's church, man, all the little rhymes and stuff and songs. I've learned all this stuff and I've been a pretty good guy. I'm not this big, massive heathen. I haven't like this horrible life of sin. I've been a pretty good guy. And uh, so Jesus was trying to help him discover. See, he was a guy, I think, like much many people here in America. He had pretty much all of his wants met. He was a pretty wealthy guy. He had all the stuff that he wanted. In fact, he had so much stuff, he didn't realize what he really needed. So Jesus said, I need, I'm going to help you discover something here. Because you're so, you've got everything, you've added all this stuff, and you just want to kind of add me to your life. Uh, what other thing do I need? What spiritual little accessory can I add to my life to make me a little bit better? Because that's what, that's what things that you want, that's what they are. They're, they're accessories. You don't have to have them. You just accessorize your life. You don't have to have those earrings. You just like the way they look right now. And two weeks later, you forget about them. So Jesus, you know, this guy comes looking for an accessory. And Jesus says, you have everything you want. And you don't even know what you really need. So let me tell you what you need to do. Sell everything that you own. Get rid of all the stuff. It'll, it'll get rid of all the cloudiness in your brain. And you'll see that what you really need. Because even though you've got all this stuff, your soul is empty. You have no idea what you really need because you're so consumed and caught up with all the things that you want. And the guy was shocked. He says, sell everything and give it to the poor. Now, now listen carefully. Because some people will use this passage and they'll say, you know, hey, you know, we're, we're, we... We're sinners, and I'm going to prove to you I'm a sinner. Let's look at, the, let's look at these commandments. You ever lied before? Yeah, you're lying. I'm a lie. You, know. you ever stole before? I stole. See, you're a sinner. You're deserving of hell. And some people will actually say, now, see, this, this is what Jesus is doing. He's trying to show this guy that he's a sinner. And these are the commandments. And sure, like, right, you really kept all these since you were little. But I want you, I want you to listen to me. Now, you guys are young, but you're smart. So I want you to listen carefully. A sinner doesn't... The things that he does is not what makes him a sinner. He's a sinner before he sinned. He was born in sin. He has the nature of sin, the Bible says. And because he's born that way, he naturally does sinful things. For example, when you're real little, you're four or five years old, did anybody ever have to teach you to fight with your brothers and sisters? came naturally, didn't it? That's mine! Anybody taught you to be selfish? No one had to teach you. It's because we're born in sin. In the same way, for example, a dog barks. Because you hear a dog bark, you go, you're a dog! You just proved it to me! You barked! Wrong. He was a dog before he barked. The barking is evidence of the fact that he was born a dog. And when a person sins and does a sinful thing, it's only evidence of what he was born as. So we should never get mad at a dog for barking. We would never do that, except he's doing it in the middle of the night. But you don't say, why aren't you meowing? You're lame. Change your voice. You wouldn't say that to a dog. You never, 
never would do that. He barks because he is a dog. You wouldn't, in the same way you wouldn't get mad at a sinner for sinning, he does sinful things because he's born that way. It's the natural way. Point your finger at somebody, why are you doing that bad thing? What's wrong with you? Wait a minute, that's the way he was born. That's the way she was born. Born a sinner. Listen carefully. The Bible says in, in uh, Psalm 51 that we were born in sin. We were conceived in iniquity. We were made out of this stuff. And this stuff called sin. And it's hard to kind of comprehend. What does that really mean? It sounds like spiritual sounding words. See, Jesus wasn't trying to convince this guy. Your real need, you did this wrong and this wrong and this wrong. You need forgiveness. Our need is way beyond a few things that we've done wrong. The, the, our need and his need is way beyond, you know, you didn't do this good. You broke this commandment. You broke this one. It's way beyond that. It's a million times worse than that. Any things that we ever have ever done. The thing that we need is an answer to the way that we were born. And the problem is, just like this guy, we can be very religious and come to Christian activities and cloud our brain. And our brain gets clouded because we have so many things that we want. We go, oh yeah, I did a few, I did a few bad things. Jesus, please forgive me. Okay, now I feel better about myself. And I go back to all the things that I want. And we end up adding Jesus to our list of accessories. I kind of want those pants. I kind of want Jesus. I pray that little prayer. I actually whined more for my iPod than I did for God. Oh, yeah, I just I do need forgiveness. Oh, help me, help me, Lord. Amen. And we treat him like a casual want or a casual or even an urgent want. Rather than something that we need. We add him to our list of accessories. I'm afraid, this is how you can tell. You'll hear people say this. You've probably heard it before. TV, wherever. Preachers. If you want that love. If you want that joy in your life. If you want, whoa, 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 whoa. So Jesus is a life enhancement drug. Makes my life just a little bit better. Having a little rough day, have the Jesus drug. Add them to your life. But the problem with accessories is after a while, you don't want them anymore. When it's not convenient, when it's not popular, when it doesn't look good in front of everybody else, you discard it and just do what you wanted to do anyways. So we just fill our life with all the things we want. And Jesus is going, no, you're not going to do that to me. I'm going to stand here and talk to you as he's talking to this man until you discover your real need. And he let the guy go away. Now, I don't know about you, but I think most preachers would go, oh, no, stop, don't, please, don't leave, please, don't leave. Just, just stay, hang around for a while. And, you know, and, you know, if you want that love, if you want that joy, if you want that peace, if you want that. And if you're not going to take me for the breath and for the survival and for the water that you really need, at least take me as an accessory. But Jesus didn't go that way. And I'm afraid that we have a whole nation that lives just like this guy lives. Lived. We're so inebriated. We're high. Filled with all the things that we want. We kind of in our mind, we go, oh yeah, I need a little forgiveness. Ooh, I was a bad, I I had a bad attitude with my parents. Oh Lord, forgive me. And we think that's why we need forgiveness. It's sort of like going to the doctor, getting diagnosed for something. And you know, you're, you know, you're having trouble breathing. You know, you're in pain. You've got blotches on your body. You're coughing, coughing up blood sometimes. You know, you're having a, so you're getting him to diagnose you. And you're wondering, how bad is it? How bad is it? You're waiting for the new, what is, what do I have? And he tells you the news. You have, you have tuberculosis. And then you say, oh, good. Do you, do you have a Band-Aid that I could put on for that? And he says, do you understand what I just said? You have tuberculosis. Everything you breathe on, every person is going to get this. You're going to die from this. Oh, good. Do you have a little Advil that I, I could take too then? A little cough medicine? Would that, be, would that work? Do you understand? You have got tuberculosis. Oh, yeah, and it's making me feel really uncomfortable at night. You know, I can't really sleep. Can you give me some sleeping pills? The reason you're feeling bad, the doctor says, the reason you have all these symptoms is because there's something else going on. And sometimes I think we offer Jesus as 
an answer to the symptoms and we never really pull back the, the, the veil and go, this is the issue. This is what's really going on. And you don't need Jesus as a life enhancement drug. What we have is way worse than a few coughing symptoms, a few sinful, you know, things that we did. And, oh, I need to, God, could you help me through this day? And I need help with this little test over here. And he'll help you and he'll do this for you. All that stuff is true. But we're in danger of adding him to our list of things that we want. You know, you hear, you hear about people that, you know, they, um, they're like a rock star or they're a movie star or they're an executive in a company and then they become an alcoholic and their life gets messed up and then they lose everything. They lose their money. They lose their family and they hit rock bottom and they're a drug dealer or a drug abuser or a prostitute or something. They hit rock bottom and they go, oh God, I finally found you. And, and, they, and that, it took them to get to that for them to cry out to God. And it's so great The fact is, it's not great that they had to go through that, but it's great that they finally realized what they really need because they had all the stuff, yet they had all these other needs in their soul that they weren't paying attention to. And so some of you are thinking, well, I'm so glad I have Jesus because I don't have to go through that. But I just want you to think for a second. So many times, people that have gone through that, there's a yearning, crying, desperate, heart-wrenching, God, I know I need you, that is so passionate inside them, while so many other believers are in church like, oh, Jesus, I really do love you. Oh, I need you. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Amen. What's the difference? This guy at least saw that all the things that he wanted, he added to his life, and he was still empty. This person, while never going through that, sort of adds Jesus to the things that he wants and thinks that it's okay. The problem is this. We can use these things that we want, we add them to our life, and it masks the real symptoms for a while. Oh yeah, you can mask the symptoms of a sinfulness, a sinful nature. You, you can look at, you know, the, any rock and roller that's a secular guy. And, he, you know, he's got the women, he's got the drugs, he's got the money, he's got this and that, and acting like everything. Or movie stars that act like they got everything going for them. They're just masking it. What their real need is. And for a while, we did the same thing. We get our stuff, we get our makeup, we get our music. Oh, I need to add Jesus. Just pray this prayer. Pray, pray, just repeat after me real quick and just add it to your life and, the, and it'll, your life will be even better. He will enhance you. Make it just a little bit better. Jesus didn't die to give you spiritual Advil. He didn't die to take just a little bit of pain away so you're just not so full of anxiety. He didn't die to just be another thing to add to your want list. You know, I was reading recently about a guy who has a a ministry to prisoners. He preaches in prisons all the time. And he says, these guys are the easiest people in the world to preach to because they've lost everything. And and they have no hope. Even if they get out of jail, they're going to be ex-con the rest of their life. Any of the dreams, the hopes they probably had, they're never going to be able to do. They really have nowhere to go. They're in a perfect frame of mind to go, okay, I need something that I don't have right now. And these guys become hardcore followers of Christ because they know their need. They're not masked anymore with their life being full of all the things that they want. Same thing with people overseas. I told you about where I just got back from. People that are desperate for food, people that are desperate for survival, people that know that demons are real and they don't know what to do. When you tell them the good news, Jesus will set you free and give you a brand new heart and give you power and deliver you from the chains that have been in your life. They're like, oh, thank you. Somebody is really telling me the answers to the things that I need. But meanwhile, in America, we're like, no, does God really exist? Do we really have a spiritual need? Is there, there's many paths to the same. And we, we're like arguing over, is there even a spiritual realm? Because our life is so full of the things we want, we think it's debatable. When much of the world live in fear of demons, that demons are going to come and capture their little children at night. They know it's real. So, 
I wonder if we were to discover what we really look like. I mean, if we took away, if we were able to strip away all the things in our life, every single thing that you have in your life right now that is there because you want it, not because you need it, everything. I wonder if we could see what we really need. I wonder if you could strip away your iPod and your music and your computers and your fun and your sports and your career plans and everything. If you could strip everything away, your hairstyle, your makeup, your coolness, strip it all away to really look in the mirror and see what God sees the way you came out of your mother's womb, what you were really like without any of the stuff on the outside that you've added to make your life a little better. If we could get a glimpse of what we really look like and what we really need. Besides breath, and water, food. When we realize our desperate state of sin, not because we did things, but because of the way we were born, it produces a desire to get what you need. It's not just, I'm going to pray this quick prayer, be a pretty good person, be a little bit better than I was. Imagine, for example, a woman about eight and a half months pregnant. She starts feeling labor pains. Rushed to the hospital. She thinks she's going to have the baby. She's excited until they start putting all the wires on her and they listen real carefully. And there's no heartbeat on the baby. All of a sudden, the siren's in the hospital and the doctors start rushing and they shut the door and get her to ICU and they're putting every little thing on and they're listening and they're trying to get that baby out as soon as possible. I mean, the whole... Hospital is shut down. Everybody's focused on the baby. And finally the baby comes out. And just like they thought, there's no heartbeat. So now they get another team of specialists. And they're trying to do CPR on a little newborn. They're doing everything they can to get this thing to come to life. Everything has stopped. The most important thing right now is saving the life of this baby. Nothing's more important. I think I'd like a cup of coffee. I could have a little drink. Nothing's more important right now. This baby's dead. We got to breathe some life into it. This is how I was born. That's how I came into this world, dead. I was born dead. And so were you. And all the hospitals of heaven started sounding the alarms, specialists rushing around. There's another one. Dad needs life. Gabriel, the angels, everything. Wake her up. Breathe life into him. Come on. Oh, Jesus died. Dr. Jesus, raised from the dead. Breathe some life. Got to breathe some life. And for all the years until you found Jesus, you're dead. It's not an accessory. You were born dead. It's not like I kind of like to have him in my life. If I don't, I'm dead forever. Imagine, for example, you went to the doctor one day and you've been feeling some discomfort, you've been feeling some pain, something that wasn't right, and they told you, that your diagnosis, that you've got something in your, your diagnosis is not really good. It looks like you have cancer. Now, I don't know if you've ever known somebody with cancer. If you've been close to somebody, my brother was diagnosed with cancer. And by the time they caught it, he'd had it for a number of years. Cancer is a very slow-growing thing. You don't necessarily know you have it. It starts invading your parts of your body. Many times people catch it, and they catch it so late, their whole body's eaten up with cancer. Imagine you were diagnosed with cancer, but a special kind of cancer nobody had ever heard of before. Imagine you walked out of the doctor's office and they told you you need to be careful. Because every time you see something in a grocery store, food that you really like, it makes your cancer grow like wildfire. Ice cream, pizza, whatever. You go to a restaurant, you order something you really want to eat, and it makes your cancer grow even more. And what happens is it doesn't kill you quickly. It just makes your life more painful and more full of misery. And the things you crave make your cancer worse. And there's no way to get rid of this. You try to cut it out. They cut every part of your body. There'd just be one little piece of you left. You can't cut it all out. Imagine how much misery you were living. You'd live in with that. That's how you were born. That's how I was born. No cure, except one. Imagine 
You didn't realize this. But as soon as you were born, you were whisked away to a prison. Really, it's more than a prison. You were whisked away from the time you were an infant and raised in a slave camp. Where from the very earliest of ages, two and three and four years old, you were forced to work from sunup to sundown. You were breaking rocks. You were lifting heavy things. You were whipped if you didn't. Your whole life, at night, you were chained to the wall and whipped and tortured. They didn't want to kill you. They just wanted you to live in pain. And imagine there you are, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, your whole life living in this camp. You have no idea the rest of the world exists. You have no idea that there are people. You think this is how everyone lives. This is normal to you. You have lived in pain and agony every single day of your life. You have lived and been raised as a slave. That's how you were born. That's how I was born. This is not, I need a little quick prayer real quick and Jesus will help me deliver me from home. This is the way I was born, as a slave. And Jesus, when he was here, he kept trying to get people to discover. Like this guy, he's saying, do you know what you really need? Get rid of all the stuff that you want so you can see what you really need. He said it to the, the Jews one time. He said, what are you guys? You guys are slaves. And they're like, we've never been slaves, not since back in Egypt. He goes, you're slaves. You don't even know it. He said it one time at the time. He said, you guys, are, you guys are blind. We're not blind. He goes, no, if you really could see, then you wouldn't be guilty, but you are blind. Trying to help them. Don't you understand your real need? Imagine, let me give you another picture. Imagine this picture. Soon after you were born, your parents could tell something was wrong. They took you to the doctor. They listened carefully to your heart and they realized something, was, something didn't sound right in the beat. So they did all the tests and they found out that you had a heart defect. Something was wrong with your heart. All kinds of different heart defects. And they, were, and they told your parents that you would never live a normal life. You'd never be able to, to be in sports. And that you're going to have to have a heart transplant at a very young age or you will die. You're born with a heart defect. So imagine that you had this heart defect in your whole life. You sort of drug and, and you didn't really exert yourself because you wanted to keep living, right? And you were doing okay. And all of a sudden you get to whatever age, in your 20s or 30s. And you know that you really need a new heart, but no one has ever offered to donate their heart for you. But you realize you're getting a little saggy around here and a few little, you know, and you go into a plastic surgeon to get some work done. So you're under the knife of a plastic surgeon getting some work done here. But what you really need is a brand new heart. You've got a heart defect and you're going to a plastic surgeon. This is about life or death and you care about what you look like on the outside? Don't you realize what you really need? You look in the mirror and you think that's what you need, but what you really need is right here. And I'm afraid that we've been treating Jesus like the plastic surgeon. Help me with this little thing. Help me with this little thing. I want to look better. I want to feel better. Don't you realize what you need? We add him to our life like a little accessory. And we whine a little bit. I really need help with my homework. I really need help with... Whoa, whoa. You don't got to get help with all that stuff. But I'm afraid that we treat him like that. Then just like other accessories, he's gone when that doesn't seem important anymore. One more picture. Imagine that as soon as you were born, the doctors could tell something was wrong with you. They put you in a bubble because something, it seemed like you had something that was contagious. They did tests on you and they found out that you had some form, they didn't know how you got it, of rabies. They could tell that it was in your DNA. Somehow you had rabies. Now, I don't know if you know how bad rabies are. But like, how many of you ever had your parents say, oh, don't be playing with those wild animals, you might get rabies. How many of you that? You, know, you might get bit by that, you might get rabies. That dog will give you rabies. It's not a myth. This is real, man. If you get a, bit by an animal, it gives you rabies. A rabid animal. I mean, this, is, this could end your life. It's not an easy treatment. 
If you had a pet that got bit by an animal, animal, they might get rabies. And you might, they're petting, you're petting them one day and all of a sudden, and they start biting you and then they give you rabies. And so the doctors come back to your parents and they say, it is impossible for you to ever live with this child. You're never going to be able to hug this child. In fact, we've got to take this child from you and you'll never see this child again. And imagine as they're taking you away from your mom and your dad and your mom and dad are going, no, no, we've dreamed, we've planned, we've longed for this relationship. We've wanted this baby for so long. You can't take it. But there's no choice. They have to. That's how you were born. Something like spiritual rabies that separated us from a God who brought us in the world so that he could be close to us. And it ripped his heart out because we're born with this thing. Just like spiritual rabies called sin. Impossible for us to have a relationship with him. It's way worse than a couple bad things we may have done. Those are only symptoms of the spiritual rabies. So people that are living here in America that act like they're perfect, got their life together. Hey, I got my scholarship to school. I'm pretty good on the ball team. I'm good looking. The guys look at me. The guys, girls look at me, whatever. I'm popular. I got anybody that I want. I got my car. You know, I have no message for you. And the Bible has no message for you. Except sell everything that you own. Get rid of all the things that you cloud your life with that make it look pretty. So you can see what you really need. Because that's the way to come to Jesus. If you're born dead in a hospital, you need a doctor. Jesus is that doctor. If you're born, you've got cancer and everything you crave, the, the sinful things that you want, makes it worse. You need a miracle. You don't need to add Jesus to your life. If you're born in a prison camp, you don't need somebody to pray a little blessing over you, help you feel better one day. You need deliverance out of that slavery in that prison camp. If you're born with a heart defect, you don't need plastic surgery. You don't need a brand new heart. You need a heart surgeon. That's what Jesus is. If you were ripped from your heavenly father's side because you had spiritual rabies, as we all were, you don't need to feel, feel good, doctor. You need a miracle. What we really need, I think, as humans, is to take away, strip away all the things that we want so we can see the pathetic state that we were born in. Now, please listen carefully. Some people, when they preach about sin, this is what they do. You've done this, and you've done this, and it makes you feel like, I'm so bad, I'm so horrible, because I did this and this. We're not bad and horrible because of things we did. It's the way we were born. It's the DNA that we came into the planet with. And once we discover that, oh God, I'm that kid in that hospital. I'm that baby that needs a new heart. I'm that one with cancer and the sin that I keep craving is destroying my life. It produces a completely different response. It produces a, a wild sense of yearning like a man that's about ready to die because he's being held underwater and know he's going to die. And he... he Blasts out of the water and he finally gets a breath. I need air! I need Jesus. I need him. I don't just want him. Not even an urgent whining. Jesus, I need you to help. I, I need you. I don't just want to add you. I can't just add you to my life. What a horrible, horrible tragedy to come to a conference called Desperation and to not really be desperate for what we need. To have a cheer and have a little cool time and this is really fun Jesus thing, but not take away and strip away all the things that we want so we can see what we really need. I know I need food. I know I need water. I need air. I'm not going to let all the other stuff get clouded. Jesus, show me what I was like when I was born. I'm so afraid. 
that Jesus has fallen into the category of a life enhancement drug. Just make me a little bit better. Make my life a little bit better. Make it a little bit easier as I add you to all the other things that I want. Sometimes I think when we hear a preacher, we might hear something that sounds like, hey, you should want him. You should want him. And you're like, and they're convincing you. You should want him. And you go, okay, I'll watch him. Okay. Like I want some gum. I want a Coke. Okay, I want you, Jesus. You will never hear Jesus preaching a sermon like that. In fact, Jesus gave altar calls for people to leave him. If you don't want to give everything, take off. What? That's right, go ahead. You need to understand what you really need. And he kept trying to help people discover what do you really need. Even if we categorize him as an urgent one. I want you as much as I want my iPod. I'll work four weeks for you. Is he a casual want in your life? Maybe you feel really good about your Christianity. He's an urgent want. Or have you discovered your need? I mean, your real need. It's changed your whole disposition, your whole way that you relate to him. Every day for the rest of your life, I need you! That's how I wake up in the morning. I need you! I'm dead! I was dead when I got her, and I'm going to stay dead until I get your breathing life into my lungs. I need you! I don't just want you. You'll scream out in desperation. I'm not just some 12 or 13 or 14-year-old kid that likes to be hyped up to go to events and go to youth group. I know the way I came into this world. Not because of the bad things I did. It's because I was born with cancer. I was born with spiritual rabies. I was born in the hospital. I was dead. I can see it now. And as a result, you know what happens? Remember that woman? She's weeping and washing Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair. She was a sinful woman. She was a prostitute. And all the religious people, oh, look at that guy. If he was such a prophet, he would know who's touching him. These people who were too good, they didn't understand their need. She understood her need. Jesus said, leave her alone. He who's forgiven much, loves much. I think we, a lot of times we crank start our love. Jesus, help me love you more. I want to love you more. Love you more. Crank, crank, crank. Love you more. Love you more. No, you don't have to do any of that. When you understand how you were born and what you really need, you'll love much. Because you realize he was the heart surgeon. He took away the spiritual rabies. He took away that cancer where everything you craved caused you more pain. Probably the best thing we can do is ask God to help us strip away all the things that we want. So we can see who we really need. Instead of going... And becoming an alcoholic or a drug abuser or a prostitute and, you know, and really, you know, be, you know mess it and then boom, hitting rock bottom. You don't have to do it that way. You can just rip your heart wide open and God, show me a glimpse of how I was really put on this planet. You can go there voluntarily. You know, I get so sick and tired of people going, I don't have a testimony. That guy was on drugs. That guy was this and that guy did you know, million kids with different women and all this, and it got saved, and I'm just, I just grew up in church. Everyone has the same testimony. We were all born the same way, the same pathetic state of spiritual rabies and cancer, and the deliverance is the same. The only difference is that guy or that woman lived with a lot more cancer before they got delivered. You don't have to live with those symptoms and with the, uh, the fruit of that. It's the same message and the same gift of life. Instead of feeling like I'm a, I'm a loser, I don't really have that testimony. We have the same testimony. So I just wonder tonight. You know, maybe um, you know, you're here, you're desperation. Maybe you feel like you're getting closer to God. That's great. Been in youth group for a while. That's good. Made a commitment to the Lord. That's good. But can I just dare ask... What kind was it? 
Was it I kind of want you? Was it I really want you? Or was it a desperate cry from the bottom of your soul? So I'm born a dead man. And it's not my mom's deal or my dad's deal or my youth pastor's deal. I realize this is how I got to the planet. We don't get desperate because we crank ourselves up to be desperate. We get desperate when we realize how we got here and the answer that Jesus is. So I wonder if we could do something. It's a little bit out of the ordinary here tonight. I wonder if we could ask the Lord for just a moment. In the same way Jesus challenged this guy, sell everything you possess. Then come follow me. You'll see what you really need. I wonder if we could ask the Lord to strip off of us everything that we own, everything that we accessorize our life with for just a minute, everything that we think is life enhancement to us, everything that we think makes us cool or popular or fun or comfortable or whatever. Strip it all off and show me how I was born. And as he shows that to us, we then can respond to him properly in desperation. Could we do this? I'd like everybody to just get right down on your knees right where you're at. Just wherever you're at. You might turn around and make your chair a little altar right there. Would you... We, Would you just begin to ask the Lord, if you dare, just close your eyes and ask the Lord. Begin to just say, God, Lord Jesus, would you help me at this moment to strip off, strip off all the things that have made my life seem like it's pretty good the way it is. All the things that I've enhanced my life with. Ask him right now, would you just ask him to do that? Jesus, would you strip off all the things that make me feel uncomfortable? All the paint off the the car that's rotting on the inside? Begin, just whisper. Tell him what, what things you want stripped off of your life. You know, the clothes make you feel confident in yourself. And the boyfriend and girlfriend make you feel good about yourself. Whatever it is. All the things that... My TV and my iPod or my PSP, whatever you have. My computer, my car, my stuff, my clothes. All the stuff that distracts me. Just say, Lord, would you strip that off of my life? Ask him right now. You whisper those things that are in your life. Lord, I want to get rid of those things. Lord, I want to see through the cloudiness. Those things fog what I really need. Now, Lord, give me a glimpse. Ask him for this. What I was really born with, this thing called sin, this sinful nature. Which one of those metaphors most speaks to your heart. I was dead in that hospital. That's me, Lord. I was dead. I was cold. I was hard. I was limp. I was lifeless. God, I was one with cancer. Craving things that destroyed me. That's me. I was the one that was ripped away from your side because you couldn't be around me because I had this thing called spiritual rabies. That was me, Lord. That's the way I came to the planet. I was born in that slave camp. I've been a slave my whole life, tormented and terrorized. that heart defect. 
going to plastic surgery trying to fix it. And that is not what I need. I need a heart surgeon. Ask him tonight. Just whisper it. Let it cry from your heart. Show me my true need. Strip away all the things on the outside so I can see my true need for you. And just like a man that's being held underwater, it's been held underwater for years, struggling for life, struggling for a breath, as he begins to show you what you really need, let him discover it to you help you to discover it. And just like that man that's struggling, as he finally makes his way to the top of the water and he gasps for a breath, as you see your real need, I want you to express yourself. Tell him what you need. Tell him who you need. Cry out just like a man who just first got his gasp of breath for the first time. He just got the revelation. He needs a new heart. He just realized the desperate state he was born in. Maybe you've been guilty of adding him to your life as as an accessory. Made it a little bit better and you need to say, I'm so sorry what I've been thinking. I've discarded you so many times because it wasn't popular anymore. I need you. I need you, Jesus. I need you. It's not just a sweet little song. I need you. As you discover your need tonight, right now on your knees, respond to him and cry out whatever the expression that that comes out of your heart. Cry out to him in desperate adoration and understanding the desperate state of shock and need that you need him. A heart surgeon, not a plastic surgeon. Whatever that is, that expression of desperation, you cry it out to him as he discovers to you your need. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.